As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 124 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly and 124 strikeouts for JT Snow in 1997. Uh, that was a very good year for 1990 or for for the JT Snow and the Giants. But uh, your thoughts, JT Snow? You know what? He he really was fun to watch. The ladies love JT Snow for good reason. He had that nice square jaw and those those handsome blue eyes. Uh, a really good <laughs> defender. And you know what's funny? Who do you think was a better defender at first base, JT Snow or Brandon Belt? I think it's kind of a toss-up, and yet one guy's got a slew of gold gloves, and the other guy doesn't have any. It's actually a very controversial topic, JT Snow and his defense, because the defensive metrics hated him. Really? Hated him back then. Uh, hate him now. Uh, he's negative 10 defensive war, uh, almost negative 11 for his career. I don't think he had a... Uh, he had one year where he was positive in defensive war. And back then, when I think it was like range factor and UZR, uh, those proto-defensive stats, they hated him too. Uh, my eyes loved him, uh, also with the defense. Uh, you know, I the eye test says snow, but Belt, you know, Belt has something going too, so I, I don't know. I kind of feel like like the gold gloves and defensive excellence or defensive reputation was not unlike like how restaurants used to be. You'd get a reputation, you could serve the same dish for 40 years and you'd never close and everyone loved you. And now there's Yelp and now there's Eater <laughs> and they can keep score. And you know, maybe you don't have the same metrics, but uh, yeah, it's uh, y- 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 you find that there's there's a lot more information, a lot more opinion out there. And, and um, 
and reputations are a little bit harder to to remain sterling, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. Well, anyways, JT Snow's 1997 season had to bring it up. It's one of the more surprising, uh, in, in the a good way, seasons I remember as a Giants fan. Just, uh, hello, I guess this guy's really good. And, oh, I guess the Giants are good. Uh, just, it's the reason I'm talking right now, that season. So, uh, special place in my heart. You know, it's kind of funny. I mean, 97 is a great, and I think you've, you've made that analogy before, like best case scenario for a Giants team you're watching this year or last year would have been like the 97 team going from really rebuilding and, and, and kind of making a lot of major changes. I mean, they traded Matt Williams before that offseason. And, you know, I, I wrote a story um, uh, after Farhan Zaidi took over uh, with basically looking back at, at what Brian Sabian did as a rookie GM uh, leading up to that 97 season. And one of the stories that Ned Coletti told me was that they flew to Anaheim uh, to try to make a deal for JT Snow. And they got the Angels to kick in an extra million bucks. Um, <laughs> because I think that maybe was the buyout on his option year. And they used that extra million bucks to go out and get Doug Henry. And they wouldn't have been able to get Doug Henry without without sort of asking for a little bit more. I love, love, love all of the sort of retrospective stories about how trades and how deals came together. I, I cannot get enough of that. One of my favorite stories uh, that I've written for The Athletic is about this sort of, it was a proposed trade, an actual proposed trade, Will Clark for Don Mattingly. And if you grew up in the 80s, how can that not break your brain? I mean, wow. the almost, the what ifs, uh, I mean, it was actually a discussed trade. Wow. Think of what Don Mattingly's mustache could have done if he didn't play for the Yankees. I mean, that that thing could that would have been the, the cookie duster of all cookie dusters. OK, but we're not here to live in the past. We would keep going uh, with this tangent if the Giants were four and eight at the time of recording. They are not. They are eight and four and they look pretty darn good, like a functional baseball team. Uh, it's a lot of fun to watch, I would say. I mean, yeah, they've they've uh, they've played really well. And I, your, your piece went up. Uh, today as we're recording this and it was about the bullpen being kind of mechanical and boring which is awesome that's what you want a bullpen to be yeah. and and we weren't expecting that we thought we'd be seeing bodies flying all over the place like it's a royal rumble um and and after opening day which was you know a, a catastrophe I, I loved your line that it was so toxic that the that uh, T-Mobile Park in, in uh, Seattle was almost a super fun site. I mean, it was <laughs> such a big, bad blow up on opening day. And you, 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 those linger in memory more than the clean innings here and there. So, um, you know, yeah, there's still a few things they'd like to do. They'd like to get Matt Whistler on a good roll. They'd like to get some work for Jose Alvarez. But, you know, they'd like to maybe try to spread the workload so that Tyler Rogers isn't pitching, um, you know, four times every day. But, but yeah, the, the bullpen has really normalized. The rotation has given the bullpen the opportunity to normalize by being uh, um, very, very much uh, competitive from day to day. Um, Johnny Cueto's injury will obviously compl complicate things a little bit, but it's kind of a stroke of good luck that Alex Wood was already prior to the game where Cueto got hurt. They, they'd announced that Wood is going in the rotation, so it's not like they're going to have to call somebody up who's just completely unprepared. Um, and the offense is showing some signs of doing more than hitting solo homers. So, um, you know, and now they fly to Miami, and it's kind of weird to think this is the first time they're going to play beyond the mountain time zone since 2019. But, uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's on to the next, and, and, and right now it's, it, they're a pretty good, uh, well-oiled machine. And the most remarkable thing, I think, for, for me is 8-4. Is and four. Okay, so they're doing something right. 
Uh, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, Alex Dickerson, Mauricio Dumont, Mike Yastrzemski, Wilmer Flores. Of all those players, the highest batting average is Brandon Belt at 160. I know batting average leaves a lot to be desired as like the end-all, be-all stat, but it tells you like of all those guys, they aren't hitting the way that they will be hitting at some point. Uh, it's It's been a very pitcher-driven run. And one of the more remarkable things uh, that I found, and I, I actually meant to include this in my article, dang it, and I forgot, the Giants are second in baseball, all 30 teams, when it comes to innings pitched by their starters. That's not what I was expecting before the season started. They are, and it's allowing them to set that bullpen up the way they want it, not overtaxing anyone who's not named Tyler Rogers. They are just, you know, doing doing their thing, and it, it's a blueprint that's working. Yeah, and, and I have to look up look this up. It's probably changed after the Cueto game because I think he only threw about 68 pitches when he left with uh, the lat injury in his back. But prior to that, uh, Giants starting pitchers were throwing an average of 95 pitches uh, per outing. And, and that's weighted a little bit by Johnny Cueto throwing 118 in pursuit of a complete game in his previous timeout. Um, but that's the most, uh, that's the highest pitch count average uh, of any rotation in the major leagues. And, you know, we all think that Gabe Kapler is going to, you know, galaxy brain his way to using uh, pitchers in, in ways that no one's ever thought of before. But, you know, if conventional works, conventional is the easiest path, uh, both for bullpen and rotation. And more than anything, it just gives you stability. You have a chance to win every single game. And in the games where the offense has really come through, um, they've won them. I mean, it's been pretty much as simple as that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Galaxy Brain because it feels like something I include in every article because I, I come into this thinking the Giants are trying to play uh, post-dimensional money ball where they're, you know, trying to outsmart the other teams and they're trying to, you know, build a better mousetrap and, and you know, why don't you build the whole airplane out of relievers? Like this thing, and you, <laughs> you, start, to, you start to tunnel down and figure out how they're going to outsmart. The, but I think the ultimate goal is if you can have a rock solid closer that you could just brainlessly say, okay, you know what? Put that guy in and he'll get the save. Don't worry about it. Get him on a tie game and he'll keep us, uh, he'll keep us in the game. And then before that, here's an eighth inning guy gets lefties out, gets righties out. He knows his role. It's like, it's so brainless and at, it makes you realize, yeah, this is what they want. They don't, they're not doing all this other stuff, all these power techniques to be cool. They're doing it because if they did it any other way, it might not work. But if it's working a traditional, more traditional way, I should say, uh, yeah, keep going. It, it's great. You know, it was a tragic day when the reliever, when the uh, airplane made out of relievers crashed into the side of the mountain. <laughs> the NTSB is investigating, but they're pretty sure an AFELT went out. So, <laughs> oh, he shouldn't have been. Uh... Should have been cooking burgers on the plane while no. he was making the plane. But you Probably. know what I mean? It's just, this is uh, the bullpen management so far. And it can change. One bad week and we're back here saying, well, you know, Kepler's getting all squirrely with Caleb Berger or something. But right now, this is a bullpen that looks like Bruce Bochy's managing it. Yeah, and, and we know that there's still some good stuff that's going to come. I mean, they were really, really excited to sign John Brebbia. And they think that he's going to be a really good late-inning right-handed piece. You know, maybe by... Um, mid-June, the end of June, somewhere around there. Um, you know, they had a lot of guys that were NRIs that are at the uh, at the alternate site right now, uh, Nick Tropiano uh, being first among them, that they were really excited the, at how they, you know, competed for jobs in the spring. And they were able to hold on to all those guys, even though they didn't make the team. So, um, you know, not only are they, you know, in a good spot now, but they feel like they're going to have other good options they can turn to because you know it's it's as much as the the um, 
the roster has remained pretty static to this point, an injury or two notwithstanding. We know there there is going to be uh, um, there are going to be changes throughout the year. You just uh, it's, that's just a fact of life. Yeah, and refresh my memory and uh, the listeners as well. When do we start getting stats on these guys? I know we're getting some video out of Sacramento here and there. We're getting the, some reports, but when are we going to start getting stats? Is that May? You know, I I'm not sure. I, I I'm not sure if we're going to actually get statistical like. Uh, um, compilations from alternate site scrimmages. Partially, I mean, it's I, we should. It, it probably isn't that hard, but I haven't seen uh, box scores uh, being furnished thus far. I, I, maybe we should ask our friend Roger Munter. I'm sure that that he probably has a line into them, or maybe he's even he's even uh, doing them on his own. Uh, wouldn't su- surprise me. Um, but uh, but we will have actual minor league baseball, um, you know, within a few weeks. So when the AAA season starts, the first week of May. So certainly by then we'll have some more numbers that we can draw from. Yeah, that's a, I, I just I knew that the minor league season was starting in May. And it feels like, you know, we're getting all these reports and all the reports on like Elliot Ramos are positive. Uh, I just I want some dang stats. It's been a year plus without minor league stats. And it fills such a gap in your brain when you're, you're looking at the minor leagues and going like, wow, Jay Jackson is striking out, you know, 13 batters per nine innings. It helps you place all of this. And without that, we're just casting adrift, hoping for the Giants front office to figure it all out for us when I need to figure it out in my mind first so that I can judge them. Right. I need to figure it out and then I need to tell them what to do. And then they're exactly. not going to listen to me. And then what they do is going to end up being right. And then I'm just not going to bring it up again. That That's the way it works. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So the Giants are pitching their way to an eight and four record. Does the Johnny Cueto, does the Johnny Cueto injury, uh, you know, we don't quite know how serious it is. Is that going to derail that a little bit? It's a little concerning because he looked as good as he's looked since perhaps the the first half of 2016. Yeah, I mean, there are injuries that a team can sustain that are, it's like, we are not equipped to fill in for this player. I mean, you know, uh, if if Mauricio Dubon and and Brandon Crawford uh, collide in in shallow center field chasing a fly ball and both of them disintegrate into a million pieces, I mean, that, there's no way the Giants could make up for for losing their center fielder, their shortstop, and their backup shortstop all in one move. Johnny Cueto, they 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 do have a replacement. They they have a replacement that they'd already christened before the game with with Alex Wood. It just means that they they won't be able to shift Logan Webb full time to the bullpen, which looked like a move that would really double strengthen the staff because all of a sudden you've got a third right hander and a guy who can probably work multiple innings, a guy who can let his changeup flag fly as much as he wants um, without having to worry about setting uh, being too predictable the next time through. Uh, it was really looking like that was going to be a move that was going to strengthen the whole staff. You get a lefty in the rotation just for, for giggles um, with Wood. Now that they're going to have to delay those plans, who knows how long. For me, I think that the real shame of it was just how well Johnny Cueto was pitching. You know, you start to think about what it would mean to have a sort of like vintage Johnny Cueto as part of this rotation every five days. I I thought he was going to be the weak link in the rotation at the outset of the season, just based on how he pitched last season. And and it was looking like the reverse of that. He looked like a guy who could take a really good Kevin Gossman start, and then he could carry the momentum on to the next day. And that's, that's the mark of a really good rotation. I mean, just even in the game where he got hurt, 
And I guess he was favoring something most of the day, according to Kurt Casale, but you wouldn't know it. He was bounding off the mound, making plays. He was run, sprinting down the line as uh, among the fastest sprint speeds to first base of any giant all season when he sort of sniffed a bunt hit, hit there. Um, you know, he was just locating. Uh, his last pitch, Nick Castellanos, was a perfect little snapback two-seamer, 93 miles an hour. He's able to reach back for a little extra velo his last two starts. And it's just like, oh, okay. Now he's going to the trainer's room. So that was, to me, was was the bummer. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, when I wrote about how uh, the Giants sure looked good as, as a pitching team, and it, you know, it's April, so you can afford to dream a little bit. Uh, that's your right as a fan. Uh, I mentioned we shouldn't get carried away with this because of the last, from the last 20, 21 years, uh, two of the best April performances were Barry Zito. And they came in seasons where Barry Zito was Barry Zito. You know, he he ate innings. He he filled a role. It's not as if he was a, a complete useless starter, but it it never matched up to the April. He would start hot in April, and then you know he'd have some iffy starts here and there. The difference, though, I think, is with Cueto, it's it's very visible to the naked eye. It is it is 92, 93. It is movement. It's location. It's not like you're watching this and going, "Wow, look at that! Look at that smoke! Look at those mirrors! How how is old Johnny doing it?" It's like. No, you see it. You see him pitching, and it looks like Johnny Cueto from the first half of 2016. It's the artistry, the craft, uh, and it's fun to watch. And I'm gonna have to like go to whoever's in charge of lats. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have a word with that person because I am very upset that his lat is strained. <laughs> well, um, you'll, you'll have you'll be waiting in line in the lat department then because they're they're. <laughs> They're only open on on Tuesdays and, and Fridays, and, and and often they're out to lunch. So uh, they take a lo- long lunch in the lat department. Um, yeah, you know, I, I thought too when when uh, when Cueto nearly um, you know threw a shutout against the Rockies. Part of me was like, this is impressive. The stuff is impressive. Um, you know, it's not like he's just throwing it down the middle and getting away with stuff. But also, the Rockies are bad, and their offense never works here, even when they're good. So you don't want to like take away all of it, but you're like, how is he going to do against you know uh, the Dodgers or or, right. or you know a team with a really good off? Well, the Reds came in averaging almost nine runs a game, and they were starting to cool off a little in Arizona before they got to San Francisco. But clearly, they've got guys who can swing the bats and 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 hit the ball a long way. And uh, and Johnny Cueto was mowing them down too, so I, I think that that was almost like the the proof uh, that that this is a guy who can be really really effective, um, and they were gonna give him the sort of the extra the slack and the rope to 
to to go deeper into games. He'd already sort of won that that trust with with the the coaching staff, and and he started to think about what thirty really good Johnny Cueto starts would look like this season. And 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 you know maybe he'll only miss a turn or two, and, and this isn't a major deal, but. You know, when you get to be older, a, a lot of your effort that you expend goes into just, you know, being right and getting on the field. So, um, you know, Johnny Quaid is clearly going to have to spend a little more effort on um, on getting healthy again, which I'm sure is a disappointment for him. And another pitcher that I'm curious about, uh, or I was curious about before the season, and who's shown a lot to me over, over two starts, is Aaron Sanchez. And let me read to you uh, how many batters he walked per nine innings in over his career. Uh, in 2017, he walked five batters per nine innings. In 2018, he walked five batters per nine innings. In 2019, he walked 4.7 batters per nine innings. These are really high. I mean, you want to be, if you're above three batters per nine innings, you, you have some issues with walks. Uh, he's looked efficient. He's He's been throwing strikes. He's been hitting the target more often than not. And that's more impressive to me than his velocity. Yeah, we know that this is a front office that is perfectly willing to give up on high velo arms that can't locate. I mean, Sam Coonrod is with the Phillies now. Sean Anderson is with the uh, Twins, I believe, right? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you've got a lot of guys who can do a couple things well, and they're around the zone. And, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Aaron Sanchez's curveball, he was throwing it for strikes again and again and again against the Padres in his first outing. And uh, and he's been around the plate, and that's that's what they need. You know, he's he's a fifth starter. He's he's not here to be 2016 Aaron Sanchez. He's here to give you five, you know, clean as possible innings with, um, you know, without uh, making your defenders stand back on their heels because they're waiting for you to throw a strike. And uh, we know that this is a, a, a an organization that wants you to throw strikes and and would rather that you. Uh, give up hits than than um, you know hurt yourself. So yeah, to 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 your point, I think his first two starts that that has to be the most encouraging thing, and and it'll be kind of fun to see if he can keep it going. Well, we're talking about it, and on the subject, Sam Coonrod, five and two thirds innings pitched for the Phillies this year, six strikeouts, zero walks. He wow. is having a fantastic season. It's one of those things where when Melanson started pitching well, you just Three hands up. It's like, all right, what, what do you want? What do you want the Giants to do? They, how? I don't know. Should the Giants have waited on Coonrod? I mean, is is are we seeing like the rebirth of someone who harnessed his 97, 98? Well, first of all, Coonrod does sound like an actual airplane part in in your airplane <laughs> made of relief pitchers. Uh, well, we replaced the Coonrod, and, uh, and and then we blew the whole half out. So um, here's your problem, sir. It's a busted Coonrod. <laughs> yeah, it'll be two and a half weeks to get one delivered. You know, it's small sample size theater, I think. But yeah. um, but you know, good for Sam Coonrod for getting off to a good start. Who knows what all went into that deal? But um, you know, the Giants have insisted it wasn't any other controversy or, or anything else that went into it, other than they wanted to get somebody who. Who threw more strikes and um, and and a, a guy that they thought you know may not make their team and uh, you know it was important to get optional optionable pieces uh, more more guys with options in that uh, in that bullpen which they haven't needed to use so far um, but uh, uh, yeah and I guess they'll the Giants will have a chance to perhaps see Coonrod soon since uh, they go to Philadelphia after uh, Miami on this trip. In degrees of severity, this isn't comparable, but it reminds me of when the Giants traded Lehman Hernandez after the, the 2002 World Series. 
And Hernandez goes to Montreal and eventually Washington. He makes two all-star teams. He leads the the league in innings pitch for three years in a row. Very, very valuable for the Expos slash Nationals. At the same time, Giants fans were like, yeah, we just didn't want to be reminded. You know, it's it's (laughs) he's very good. Very. He would help the Giants. But gosh, those memories are painful. So Coonrod's blown save last year. Not as painful as uh, the canceled 2002 World Series, but still there's like that element of like yeah he would just remind us of that every time he pitched yeah that time the giants gave up a walk-off home run in their own ballpark <laughs> i mean Ipes. that that has to be one of the top five strangest home runs i've ever i've ever covered or seen i didn't cover all the games from from uh from the ballpark last year uh but that one i was at and it was yeah, just we both it, were yeah <laughs> it was quite the sight to behold. Oh, boy. But yes, let us not dwell on that. Let's look a little bit forward to next week. You've got a road trip coming up. It is Miami. It is Philadelphia. These two teams, uh, you know, they, the Phillies are, are playing well. Uh, the, you know, well enough. They're 500. The Marlins are close to 500. I think they're a little bit underrated uh, when it comes to the National League in general. They have players. Uh, Jazz Chisholm is, is going bananas. And he, you know, that's that's a fascinating player because the Marlins traded Zach Gallen for him. And for a while, you're like, why would you do that? You ding bats. And then, you know, Chisholm comes up and it's like, oh, I see. OK, um, so they're a, they're a fun team to watch, I think. Jazz Chisholm is a fun name to say, too. Do not make him a Spoonerism. No. Do not. No, do not. No, don't do it. I learned that early. I know you love your spoonerisms. Do not do it. (laughs) So anyway, where were we? (laughs) Awkward theater. We're talking about the Marlins and how they are uh, interesting, compelling. They're just, you know, they've got uh, Adam Duvall, one of the best Giants outfielders uh, from their minor league system in the last 30, 40 years. Yeah, Starling Marte is still a pretty darn good offensive player. But for me, it's, it's their starting pitching. I mean... Uh, they have uh, another Rogers, Trevor Rogers, who is not um, uh, not a, a triplet, uh, even though it's fun to think that he might be. Uh, and, and and he was he was striking out like 16 batters uh, per nine innings in spring training, and he's been fantastic. He outdueled Jacob Degrom the other day. Um, Pablo Lopez has great stuff. Sandy Alcantara, he's a guy who could win an ERA title. I mean, they've got some really, really high-level arms. And we haven't even gotten to Sixto Sanchez yet, uh, who I think started in the minor leagues. Uh, and, and we know that he's the guy who came back for JT Real Muto. So, um, I mean, yeah, the Marlins, are they're going to win a lot of games behind that pitching staff. And we know their ballpark is still uh, fairly pitcher-friendly. Um, you know, they don't have as many offensive pieces, but they have a few guys who can beat you. And um, and, and and the Giants will not rent them Justin Bohr for this series either, even though I'm sure that the Marlins <laughs> asked very, very nicely. He's not even at the alternate site. Come on. He's back from Japan. He's a lot of fun. He's a good guy. Just let him let us have Justin Bohr just for this series so we can hit nine home runs off you again. Nope, nope, nope. We're keeping him in, in, in Scottsdale. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it should be it should be an interesting series. And then Philadelphia, I mean, I don't know if, if this is, do you think it's a big deal that it's Gabe Kapler going back to Philly for the first time? I, I don't know. I think it's maybe a bigger deal there than it might be for, for, for the Giants or for people here. It doesn't register for me when you say it, but now that you say it, you know, when you say Gabe Kapler going back to Philly, I go, oh yeah. But now that you bring it up that it's Philly and it's Philly's fans and Philly's fans who are going to be there and perhaps without a full stadium, you might hear these Philly fans a little bit more distinctly than you might otherwise. It's going to be fun. You know, watch with the volume up. 
Uh, I think I think you might hear some some choice words for Gabe Kapler. Yeah, I I don't know what their capacity is or or how how big their crowds have been. Um, but if you can hear individual hecklers, I have to think that Philadelphia would be one of the more entertaining or perhaps more annoying uh, broadcasts to listen to when you can hear individual voices bleed over the crowd mic. Um, but I, and I'm sure we'll we'll probably save some of our discussion on this for when we get a little closer to that series. Um, but uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm really not even sure if, if, if it's something that I'll write about. Uh, it may be something that's more a, a Philly story to write about. But um, you know, just to touch on it very, very um, briefly, it's a different atmosphere for him in San Francisco. You know, you had a GM who hired him to be analytic, Gabe Kapler, but the ownership was never really on board, and the expectations for what that team was going to achieve, I think, kind of changed midstream and. None of that was Gabe Kapler's fault. And he did make mistakes and learned on the job. And I think he's a lot better for it. But I just think he's in a better place. Can you imagine if he had knelt for the anthem in Philadelphia as opposed to San Francisco? I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Would, would it have been a really different? Part of me thinks it would have been. But um, yeah. I just think overall he's in a better place in San Francisco. And he's going to have to win people over here too, just like he had. He knew he was going to have to do there. But maybe he's got a better path to do that here. I love when I talk to you on Mondays and Thursdays and it shakes an idea out because just talking about the Phillies and Giants makes me realize that I have to do uh, an article about what if Bryce Harper chose the Giants? Where would they be? Where would they be going <laughs> yeah. into this offseason? Uh, we'll talk about that on Monday because I think I'm going to write that for Monday. But yeah, no, we'll go on to the Marlins. I just didn't want to think or I didn't want the listeners to think, ah, the Marlins, you know, even it, it like like dismiss them like they're the Pirates or the Rockies or something like that. Because even though they made the postseason last year and they shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, it's still so easy to associate them with the Marlins. You know, the the Marlins had Christian Yelich and, and Giancarlo Stanton and Marcelo Zuna, like an all time young outfield. And they're like, yeah, you know, we don't we don't need that. Who needs an outfield full of 20 something uh, superstars? Uh, they're good. I think the Marlins are, are pretty darn okay. Yeah, and I think there was uh, someone who commented on on my story uh, about Cueto and, and just sort of going a little big picture at where the Giants stand as they finish a five and one homestand and go off on the road. And I mentioned that hey, you know they they are having a little bit of a softer schedule to start the year, and that's going to continue. You know, I think of their next uh, thirty two games, twenty six of them are against. Uh, the Rockies, the Phillies, uh, the Marlins, the Pirates, the Rangers, uh, the, the exception, the other six games are against the Padres. And and I, I know it, it I kind of lumped in the Marlins and Phillies with teams like the Pirates and Rockies, and, and that's that's not really fair, but I also don't think the Marlins are the Braves. They're not the Mets. They're not the teams that are forecasted to win 90-plus sure. games. I guess that was my only point. But it is kind of fascinating when you start to break down the Giants' schedule. I mean, they're going to face the Dodgers— 16 out of their 19 meetings are going to come over barely a 50-game span. And, you know, you can catch the Dodgers when they're not playing well. There have been times that the Dodgers have really scuffled, uh, even while winning the division 7 or 8 or 11 or 100 years in a row or whatever it is now. And who knows, maybe when the Giants and Dodgers, because all their games are going to be so concentrated in one a portion of the schedule, you know, maybe that'll be the most important time for for the Giants to be playing their best, and maybe they catch the Dodgers when they're not, or with a couple of guys injured, or or the rotation uh, missing a piece or two. Uh, but at the out the outset of this of the season, you'd think, okay, it's it's important you try to win every series. It's not like anyone is more important than another. 
but I think it would have been really hard for the Giants to try to make up ground if they got off to a bad start because the schedule was not going to be so favorable for that. So the fact they are getting off to a good start, I think, is encouraging. And uh, and if they can continue it, it'll be even more encouraging. Yeah, I, it's funny that you brought up the schedule because I was looking at it and looking a little bit ahead and I see that the Rockies are coming back into town before April's even over. I was like, what in the heck? Why are the Rockies playing six games in April? And then I thought, oh, wait. When does that? When do the Giants go to Coors Field? Is there a month where they double up on Coors Field and it's like you flip straight to September and it's like, oh come on! It's like that's the Rockies' worst nightmare is coming to San Francisco in April, and it's the Giants' worst nightmare to go to Coors Field in September. I wonder if that was like negotiated. I wonder if they had two series in Coors Field in June and the Rockies were like, no, 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 no. We we got have if you're gonna put us there in April, we need it in September. But don't worry, Grant, because when they go to Coors Field in September, Justin Bohr will be sitting on 39 homers, and you're going to really want him to hit that 40 at the course field and see how far it goes. Oh, bless you for being the one person who remembers that Justin Bohr is in the system, because I completely forgot that. I mean, do we see him at some point? I don't know. We might. I hope so, because he's one of my favorite players to watch. I, I think uh, he's he's almost like a more boisterous version of Luke Voigt. Uh, he's kind of like a half cartoon character. And uh, I also am a, a big fan of the Hanshin Tigers, and he was fantastic as a showman for, for Hanshin. Uh, I, I just loved watching uh, the highlights of some of his home runs and his home run celebrations as well. So if he could bring a little of that uh, to, to the Giants, I think that would be a lot of fun to watch. All right. Well, we're going to bring episode 124 to a close. I do have to ask before we go, did you hear uh, Chainsaw Guy rev his engine and perhaps uh, play his too short at 500 decibels? I actually did not. You must have like the the, the quadruple glazed windows or something. Uh, yeah, this is, this is becoming a bit because uh, I'll mention him every time he makes an appearance because my neighbor is chainsaw guy and what he does is he revs his chainsaw at all hours of the day and night uh, he revs his truck engine as if he's trying to pull a redwood out of the earth uh, i'm not sure what he's doing he has roosters that crow at six in the morning come over and visit i actually kind of like that part uh, he screams profanities at his dog like a movie character and i can't say a damn thing about it because he's chainsaw guy and he literally has a chainsaw and a temper and I, you know, even if I weren't a complete weenie. Oh, you're, yeah, yeah. It's the soundtrack of my life, Andy. Right now he's trying to take a redwood out of the earth. So that's that's my experience. If you heard it, that's what's going on. Uh, just just pray for me is all I'm saying. Hey, um, can I, uh, can you save some mulch for me? I could always use some nice redwood mulch. Oh, I hear him. Yeah, yeah, I do. Oh, bless his heart. Bless his heart. All right. This has been one episode 124 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. We will be back on Monday to talk about what the Giants did against the Marlins. Uh, we will see you then. And thanks for listening.